0: Welcome to the IONHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico.
1: I can't believe I'm going to quote John Rothstein, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is March. This is also season three, episode 22 of the IONHoops.com podcast, and the time is finally here. The MAC tournament is upon us, and we've got a great preview lined up for you in this episode. Later on, we'll have both Jaden Daly and Sam Fetterman here to go over the men's bracket with us. We're also going to take a look at the women's bracket. You know, it's so strange. There are a lot of parallels between the Iona men's and women's situations right now. I'm going to quickly take us through that bracket as well. And again, on the men's side, I want to recap those last two games and give you my take on the men's bracket before we bring in Jaden and Sam. So we've got a busy, busy episode here. No time for Iotas or anything like that. Not going to worry about net ratings or Ken Palms. None of that matters if we don't get it done in AC. And of course... That goes for both the men and the women. So we're going to put all that banter on hold until we see how things shake out this week in Jersey. And speaking of this week, let me give you the plan for the pod. So both the men and women play on Wednesday, the women during the day and the men that evening. So we'll have a new episode up late Wednesday night. No matter what. Both teams win, both lose, they split, no matter what. Late Wednesday night, new episode. From there, it's going to be played by ear a little bit, both Of course, both teams are still winning. And, you know, of course, both teams lose. Uh, You know, it won't matter. Uh, But if both both teams are winning, there's going to be an episode. Think of it that way. Both teams would play Friday night in semifinals um, if they both win in the quarters on Wednesday. So same deal, late Friday night. Both win, lose, split, whatever. we got a new episode coming. Championship Saturday can be a little shakier. We'll have to see who's still alive and who's not. Uh, but same idea, though. Both win. You got an episode that night. Might be a bit tighter of an episode since I'm going to need to get out of Dodge that night after the men's game, um, and I'm, I don't want to get home at 3 in the morning, uh, so we'll probably be a pretty tight episode. I won't even get into what happens on Sunday if the Ando men win on Saturday, um, so we we'll, won't even talk about that. Uh, selection show party. <clears throat> anyway, um, that's we're not going there. Sorry. Um, anyway, you get the idea, though. As long as we keep winning, the episodes are coming fast and furious. Simple rule, if even one of Iona's teams are playing, there's an episode coming that night. Busy week for me during this glorious time of year down in Lake City. See you at Caesars and getting that gelato. Anyway, now that we've set the table before we get to gelato, we better have our dinner. It's time to start eating. Uh, Let's hit a quick recap of the two men's games from this past weekend. Work travel is fun for me, but not during basketball season. My watching Viano these past two games has been absorbing live stats, either during a work function or on an airplane, but make no mistake, I got the gist of how these games went. And here it is. The Iona offense is really starting to cook lately. The points are just pouring in. Normally, our three-headed monster of Nelly, Walt, DJ, just doing what they do, and they're getting good support from Beric and Oz, occasional contributions from guys like Brookshire, and even Sunday, starting a tribute yesterday as well. So you get the idea. You're starting to get some contributions from people, and you're getting the stars to play like stars. Uh, we're, we're making threes. We're making free throws. The team just looks really comfortable on that side of the ball right now. I do have a concern, though, and that's that the defense is not finished quite as strong. Now, this may all be a bit of a ruse being put forth by our mastermind head coach, but Andre did not perform as well defensively against Marist. The Foxes bombed away and made shots, and I think that the most points—I think that's the most points we gave up at home all season. And what Ryder did in the second half of yesterday, shooting 74% against us, really troubling. Now, hey, we won both games. Neither game meant anything to us as we had clinched. And maybe the level of intensity on that end of the floor just wasn't there. It certainly sounds like we weren't pressing either. And between these factors, Pitino and Petino continuing to talk about V having a short. Short roster, can't play the bench, etc., etc. Again, it could just be Iona Petino taking your foot off the defensive gas for a bit. It could be a warning sign, depending on how you want to look at it. I don't think our bench is as bad as Petino's making it sound by any means yet. Yeah, they're not as good as the starters, but you know, God bless her, you have ten guys who can start for you. Anyway, I'll just go here for one minute as well. Winning both of these games did do one thing, and that's keep us in position for 13 Should we succeed in Atlantic City? But, honestly, not sure what to, well, believe regarding our defense right now. We'll leave it all up to you to decide for yourselves. And, of course, Atlantic City will reveal the truth anyway. Uh, During the Mac Media call last week, though, here's Patino himself talking about the importance of defense
0: in a tournament setting. Well, we talk about, you know, I, I try to tell them so many stories about the NCAA tournaments. And I said, you know, when... We, made, we make our runs well, we made our runs to the final four with the exception of the 96 team. I said it's always it's always one game. And whether it's a tournament in Atlantic City or going to the final four, there's always one game that your offense is not going to be there and if your defense is not there, you're going to lose and go home. And for, for me it was, say um, 2013, it was the Wichita State semifinal game we knew we had to bring a great defensive effort because we weren't going to score against a defense, not in a high percentage, not in a high clip. And I just tried to tell them stories of the past that if your defense is not consistent, regardless of how good your offense may be, regardless of how good your talent may be, you're not going to perform well in that one game.
1: Okay, let's shift gears now and start talking about the Mac tournament, both the men's and the women's. After a couple of rebuilding years, the Anu women's team opened a lot of eyes this season for sure, ending the, ending the year 23-6 overall, finishing 8-2, 18-2 in the MAC. Like the men, though, not the strongest finish to the season, upset at home by Maris, and then a single-digit victory against winless St. Peters. Like the men, though, is it cost cons- for concern? Or was Coach Billy Chambers eh, maybe tooling a little bit, uh, maybe trying some different things out? Maybe the defensive intensity wasn't there? what have you. It doesn't matter right now. What matters is Atlantic City. It's been a great season for the Lady Gales. A bit of a surprise for some Iona fans, I'm sure. And now it's time to gear up for the tournament. I had a couple of minutes with Coach Chambers during the Mac media call a few days ago. And here's that conversation. How are you doing, Coach?
2: I'm doing well, Guy. How
1: are you? All right. Uh, So when we talked before the season started, you were definitely optimistic uh, regarding Iona's chances of being a player in the Mac race. I'm going to assume, though, that you didn't envision having this type of season. Uh, <laughs> what's happened that maybe you weren't expecting that got you here?
2: I don't know that I wasn't expecting it. I think I'm an eternal optimist. I think no matter who we had on our roster, no matter what the years looked like, I always believed we could win the next game um, because I believe in what we do. I think we're true to ourselves. We understand what we want to be doing, and we work hard at it every single day. So I don't think I'm necessarily surprised um, at the results um, because you could see it in each of the different moments. You could see the leadership this summer where Ketsia really stepped up without Juana on campus. Um, you could see the leadership from Juana from afar when she was with her three on three Spanish national team and she zoomed in or FaceTimed every day to check in on the people that were on campus working. You could see it from all the new players who stepped in, who. Just wanted to make sure they were doing the right things, following the culture, taking the lead of the captains, Kate Major coming in and being the chauffeur for everybody on campus and just really building strong relationships with their teammates, but getting in the gym daily and showing that true work ethic to knock down shots at a high level and bringing new people with her. I think it's every single one of them stepping up and making sure that we're positioned for success that, you know, it wasn't really a surprise for us.
1: So you guys have been able to win games in different ways one day it's your defense. Next day, you guys are just shooting insane. Clearly you guys are taking things game by game, which is what every team wants to do. But as you start to look toward the Mac tournament, does the approach stay the same? Like, are you, you going to try to change anything or are you just going <laughs> to stick to what you've been doing? I can't tell you our secret
2: stuff. <laughs> tell everybody, right? Um, you know, the approach does say stay, stay the same for us. We talked about that yesterday, you know, Take a moment, pause, acknowledge, and celebrate the milestones that we've created this season. I think that's important for our young women because they've worked really hard for that, but stay in the moment and do what we do. Defend at a high level. Um, We've obviously got to be better at keeping people off the boards. We give up a lot of offensive rebounds and second chance points, Um, but defend at a high level, take charges, disrupt the other team, and stay free offensively. I think that's what allows us to be able to play openly, offensively, that we lock in defensively so that they have the opportunity just to feel comfortable and make reads off of each other.
1: Sounds good, Coach. A few Thanks wrinkles,
2: a, lot. a few wrinkles, Guy, but <laughs> to <safety laughs>
1: Yeah, you have to put a <laughs> wrinkle in. You have to.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> well, I'll see you in Atlantic City next week. Thanks a lot, Coach. See ya. Well, I know we're talking about the women's team right now, but you guys all know the top-seeded Iona men are going to face the winner of the 8-9 game team between Canisius and Mount St. Mary's. Well, ditto for the women. Yep, same exact setup. The top-seeded gales facing the winner of the Griffs and the Mount. Strange. More on that a little later. Anyway, the Iona women handled both of these teams well during the season. Four, four digit, double-digit wins, closest being a 10-point win at Canisius. I don't anticipate Iona having an issue surviving the quarters. The semis could get a little bit more interesting. Iona will play the winner of the 4-5 game between CNN and Fairfield. Now, Iono lost at Fairfield back in December, and that had been their last loss before the Marist game this past week. The Lady Gales squeaked by Sienna by two on the road back in January as well, so some danger there. The rematches, though, did, were a bit more favorable, Iono topping the Stags by 11, blowing out Sienna by 27. I wouldn't expect either opponent to be easy, but I do think we find a way to survive to the finals. On the other side of the bracket for the women, the two and three seeds are Niagara and Quinnipiac, both have 16-4 records in MAC play. I just don't see a scenario in which this is not the other semifinal game. Now, Quinney ended the three seed, but I'd be surprised if they didn't beat Niagara. Uh, the, the program's just been there before. Trisha is a great coach. They'll find a way to get by and reach the finals. So I am anticipating we're going to see Iona and Quinnipiac in that final. Iona did sweep Quinney by three and by five. And if you're a believer in the sweep theory, you can see Iona being in for an absolute war here, if that's the final. Even the computers would say that's a tight matchup. Iona's 143 in the net. Quinny's 146. Um, In that clip earlier I played uh, with Coach Chambers, I mentioned the team's ability to win in different ways. To me, that's how you survive in tournaments. The team has won grinders. They've won shootouts. They can suffocate you with D, or they can light you up with O. They have veterans. They have stars. They have shooters. I like the way they are built and I feel like they're gonna get this done. Good luck to coach Chambers and the Lady Gales down in AC. All right let's shift over to the men. first the full bracket you already know I is the one seed they'll play the eight nine winner Mount Caniches as I mentioned earlier. the two seed is Ryder they'll face the winner of number seven Fairfield, number 10 St Peter's the three seed is Quinnipiac they'll face the winner of number six Manhattan number 11 Marist. And the 4th quarterfinal and Iona's potential semifinal opponents, the 4-seed Siena Saints taking on 5-seed Niagara. Just a bit of fun, we have Quinney, Niagara, and Siena in the top 5, just like the women's bracket. So strange. Anyway, let's look at the opposite opposite bracket from Iona first. We're going to start a 2-seed Ryder and the Fairfield St. Peter's winner. The Stags have been playing poorly but ended the regular season on a high note with a big win over Quinny on Friday. And St. Peter's has generally been playing some decent balls of late, too. That's a coin flip pig game in my mind. But for rooting interests, Ryder blew out the Peacocks twice. Uh, but their games with Fairfield were both wars a one point win at Ryder and an overtime win at Fairfield. And up until last year, Baggots had trouble winning quarterfinals. And we have seen Jay Young rally the troops in tourney settings before. So if Fairfield can, can survive St. Pete's, Look for a potential upset of Ryder in that quarterfinal with Fairfield. For the three-seed Quinney, they're a team kind of stumbling along down the stretch. Very erratic outfit this year. Yeah, they're the three-seed, but they did just go 11-9 and nine in the league. Speaking of erratic, their potential foe is six-seed Manhattan. The Jaspers have really been all over the place as well. You can see them losing to Marist in the 6-11 game. Marist just pounded them a dratty a little ways back, by the way. But you can also see them winning that and taking down the Bobcats. So really, that side of the bracket can go chalk. Um, And Ryder can come out and reach the finals as they're the best team. Or it could just totally blow up. And I wouldn't be shocked to see someone like Fearful or Manhattan reach the finals either. I do think both Marist and St. Peter's can win their pig games as well. Though I don't see either of those two winning in the quarters. So chaos on that side of the bracket is my prediction. I know that's real general, but... I expect chaos, let's put it that way. Now, to the other side. Anyone ever remember a more anticipated 8-9 game than Mount Kenetius? Both teams are really playing better than anyone in the MAC not named Iona. Really a shame they're facing each other here. I mean, since getting thumped by Iona and Buffalo, the Grips have won 5 of 6. The one loss at Mount St. Mary's by 1. And here's the thing, those 5 wins, you know, 1 was at Ryder by 3. The other four were all by at least 13 points. So they're not just squeaking by, getting by, finding little ways to win. They're rolling. And you know who else is rolling? Mount. They're finally healthy and they've won four of five. The one loss was at home to Iona. They beat the aforementioned Griffs. They just won two road games to end the season. Really interesting. So who survived this one? I'm gonna go Canisius. Griffs have been just just beating teams up. And, And even that loss at the Mount was by just one. I think Canisius keeps this going. I warned you back when we played in Buffalo. They've got a frost named Taj Staveski, who was just starting to come on then. Now he's just lighting it up. I mean, he's like playing like an old Mac player. He's the reason they're rolling now. And the kid is probably going to win rookie of the year in the league. So I think Canisius wins this game against Mount, and I think they're going to be a dangerous team for anyone to face in that quarterfinal game, given the pressure we'll have on us after losing in the quarters last year. So if you ask me, I'd rather play Mount, but I think Canisius wins. How about that 4-5 game? What a mess things are in Albany right now. <laughs> the Saints have lost five straight. <laughs> Niagara hasn't been much better. They've lost five to six. Uh, the team split two close games, each winning at the other's place. Karm is the better coach, uh, but not if you have SCN fans these days. Really, I have no idea what's gonna happen here. Niagara's Thomason, best player on the court. But McCollum's healthy now for Sienna. And I think um, they might have a couple other better pieces. Um, I, I you know, Sienna fans have been bashing Stormo. I still kind of like him. I think he might be one of those guys that makes a difference in this game. So I think Sienna survives that quarterfinal. Now, Fiona can survive Canisius. And I do mean survive Canisius, the way that Griff's have been going. I do think they win the 7 final no matter who's there. They have the edge of that extra day's rest and preparation and I just feel good about it. I won't even comment about Iona's, about Iona's history against Siena in the Mac tourney. <laughs> I'll laugh about it, but I won't comment on it since I'm, I'm not even sure Siena's going to be the opponent. I just feel good about that game, no matter who's, who's there in the semis against Iona. Um, and what about the finals if Iona's there? You know, I think most of us would say we'd be fine with anybody but Ryder in that spot. I know some people fear Quinnipiac a little bit, um, but, uh, and it's certainly not unfair. I can't, disagree, I can't disagree. Ryder's the team, I think, that would be the biggest threat to us. Um, but honestly, I, I feel good about that one as well. The team split two close games, so logic and analytics would suggest a different result in the third meeting. Make no mistake, both teams didn't show their cards yesterday's game. I fully expected Petino to unveil some new wrinkle. Um, I do think we're going to press the hell out of everybody this whole tournament. Um, I don't care what he's been saying. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would be surprised if we don't. Now, also remember Iona was a bit of a mess in the game at Iona against Ryder. Clayton wasn't healthy. Iona had a huge lead anyway. Fell apart. Yesterday was just two teams lighting each other up. Really, in the same scenario, uh, which defense are you going to count on in that third meeting? Um, Ryder's defense has been shaky all year. Um, I think if there's a defense that's going to play better in the third meeting, it would be Iona's. Um, Anyway, um, also not to go on Iona, Iona won a close game at Ryder yesterday. That was Better for the that was better for the team than to have pasted the Bronx yesterday. Gales have learned how to close games out, put their foot on on, on the, the gas and put teams away. Um, you don't win a bunch of games in a row like Iona has without being able to do that. Um, most of the key guys seem comfortable and reliable at the line, maybe with the exception of Nelly still. Uh, even Barricks making free throws right now more than he ever has. Granted, all that goes out the window. The game's tied in the final minute. All those numbers don't mean a thing. Um, but still, there appears to be improvement, and I, I like... Feeling. Now you guys are gonna to want to know what I think about Quinnipiac, a team that well, frankly, kicked our ass. Three out of four halves this season um, was a different time. Certainly, they are—they're they, the team that broke us, and they're the team that fixed us. So it's so hard to gauge those two games that we played against them. Certainly, they're a threat to reach the finals, of course. But their their erratic nature doesn't have me worried too much. They're gonna to have to have played well two games in a row just to get to the finals. And the odds of them saving their best for last to beat us in a championship game, um, Baker Dunleavy versus Rick Pitino in the finals, I, I don't see it. So, again, maybe I'm oversimplifying in this a bit. And I, I've already said it. I have concerns about the 8-9 winner, particularly if it's Canisius in the quarterfinals. But I'm actually comfortable beyond that, that the Gals are going to prevail and discard the bad memory of last March and route to another NCAA appearance and perhaps a chance of victory there. For this program let's get to atlantic city and get this going so you've heard enough from me on the mac tournament let's bring in two guys who know this league top to bottom better than anyone to share their takes Jaden daly sam fetterman Well, you know, it's really the Mac Tournament time when we start actually welcoming more than one person at a time on a podcast around here in Mac circles, and who better to bring in to talk Mac hoops than Jane Daly and Sam Fetterman? Guys, welcome.
3: Always a pleasure to be here, guy. Appreciate
4: you having me on. Very excited for this week, and I'm and I'm glad to be on here to talk all about it.
1: Well, you guys obviously follow a ridiculous amount of college basketball teams. So uh, I appreciate you uh, stopping by our little Mac corner of the world here at, at Iona and uh, talking to us about, uh, well, keeping us off the ledge for starters so that we're not freaking <laughs> out about, about playing uh, one of the two hottest teams in the Mac uh, in the next, uh, in the quarterfinals of this thing. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the, the brackets and how they look right now. Let's, let's start away from the Iona side. Uh, Got Ryder as the two, got Quinnipiac as the three. Um, and then we got some interesting pig matchups there as well. Fairfield, uh, St. Peters taking on Ryder, Manhattan, or taking on Quinney. Let's talk about the pig round first. Uh, seven to 10. Fairfield, St. Peters, thoughts on that one?
4: I mean, I'll, the- I'll, go for,
3: I'll go first on that one. And I'll say Fairfield probably has a decided edge. I want to see what St. Peters can do. Inside against Supreme Cook, I don't think the Peacocks will be able to handle him. Fairfield should win convincingly, so we'll go with that.
4: Yeah, my question here is how does St. Peter's try to defend um, the guards for Fairfield? And Sorry, um, not the guards, the um, the forwards for Fairfield, namely Allen Jean-Rose, because I don't think St. Peter's really has has, like, tweeners like that. Um, Yes, there's Cam Young there, but St. Peter's, he's really their only tweener that can match up anywhere near AJR in that type of post-up, four-man-type role. And they actually ran Cam Young as a small ball five a little bit yesterday. And if Cook comes off the court with foul trouble, I would like to see... Th- him young as a small ball five, maybe Um, again for St. Peter's. Um, But I think the guard matchup is interesting um, with the depth that St. Peter's plays with, with Jalen Murray and Latrell Reed and Dasher. There's a lot of guards there that like to get to the basket. And I think on both sides, you have that with Caleb Fields, obviously for Fairfield, it's going to come down to, is Fairfield going to be able to make shots?
1: Okay. Oh, well, I think that's you know it's it's going to be a typical Mac
4: Tuesday night game, like 49 or something.
1: Yeah, it's going to be one of those type of games. Uh, and then I look ahead to looking ahead to one of those teams playing Rider. You know, St. Peter's got killed by them twice. Fairfield played two nail biters against Rider. Um, do you think either team can beat Ryder in, in that quarterfinal?
4: I wouldn't put money on it. Um, I look at Ryder And I just think matchup-wise, they have pretty much everything that they need to beat Fairfield and to beat St. Peter's. They're very well-rounded and athletic. They have guards that can make shots and get to the basket. I think Ryder is a well-rounded, well-coached basketball team.
3: It wouldn't shock me if Fairfield won. They've played Ryder close twice. Everybody knows it. It's hard to beat the same team three times in a year. If Alan Powell can only hit so many clutch shots, I want to see how Jay Young defends White Murray. I think the Fairfield guards have a little bit more confidence this time around than they may have in the first two meetings. It's going to come down to one of those late-game situations, and somebody's going to be trusted to take the big shot, whether it's Fields, whether it's Wojcik, whether it's TJ Long, who's come on recently. So I, I expect something in the high fifties, maybe low sixties, and we'll see what happens. But it wouldn't shock me if Fairfield came away with an upset.
1: That's kind of how I feel too. All right, let's look at the three six eleven bracket area. Manhattan, Marist, uh Manhattan is just weird. <laughs> you can't really figure them out. You know, Marist just blew their doors in, but you know,
3: do you do you see Marist winning again against Manhattan in this spot? No. I, th- I think Manhattan has has the confidence that it needs this time of year and playing them recently and having Maris fresh in, in the team's mind will certainly help out here. I do think you're seeing a takeover mode from Anthony Nelson that will probably will the Jaspers to, to the lead in the second half. My concern for Marist is outside of Patrick Gardner who steps up
4: I mean the thing I look at from Manhattan is talent wise they're probably closer to just overall in, in terms of basketball talent there's a lot of guys there but I think they're probably closer to the 7 or 8 than they are to the 4 or 5 so I think in terms of what can Manhattan do to win this game I mean they'll they'll still be favored and they they're still the better team um they're a better team than Marist, but they're going to need to find a way to defend in the two big lineups. When they put Ingo and Gardner on the court, Uh, Marist has put 81 and 69 points on Manhattan this year. That's 75 points a game, which is (laughs) for an offense that doesn't really score a lot of points. It's kind of disappointing if you're Manhattan, but yeah, as you mentioned, Ant Nelson has been really good recently and I don't think Marist has the has a guard good enough to defend Ant Nelson at his best.
1: Okay. And can either team take down Quinnipiac?
4: I think Manhattan can.
3: I don't know if the Jaspers will, but I would give Manhattan a better shot than Marist. I think Quinnipiac getting Marist the last game of the year gives this team a little more of an incentive now you see that they got the three seed and probably a sense of renewed optimism. So I'm expecting a knockdown drag out game with Manhattan. Wouldn't shock me if it was an upset and if we had a potential six, seven quarterfinal If Fairfield can get past Ryder, but if anybody takes down the Bobcats, I think it'll
4: be Manhattan. For me with Quinnipiac, I feel like they're vulnerable because again, they don't make shots. They don't make free throws. And they can't they can't hold a lead. I don't I don't think that in terms of in terms of when I watch Quinnipiac, they don't look as organized and well coached as some of the other teams in the league. And that's not a slight to Baker Dunleavy. Who I think he's done a great job bringing in a lot of talent, but I think the talent sometimes just doesn't seem to doesn't seem to work together, and it's been a few years of this as we've said I, I just think they have too many weaknesses I feel like if there's a team in the one two or three game that's vulnerable it would definitely be Quinnipiac okay
1: and I and and I kind of feel that way too I mean it's it, it, every year you just assume the Mac's going to blow up the term is just going to turn, turn to a mess um, I think the odds of chalk here are pretty slim I don't I don't think both teams will make the semis yeah um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked. And and even Jayden, you made a good point. <laughs> Seeing Fairfield Manhattan in that semi would you you know is not an impossibility by any means with the way uh, these teams have come down the stretch. So um chaos. But that's why that's why we love this tournament. Um all right, I'll flip the other side of the bracket. Let's start with the four or five game. Geez, have there ever been two four or five uh seeds that just look as shaky as these two teams do right now? <laughs>
4: If we could swap where the 8-9 game and the 4-5 <laughs> game were on the bracket, would, would anyone mind?
1: Siena fans might. I mean, I,
4: I, don't, I don't think there's a single Siena fan that wants to watch this team play.
3: I can think of one that is already starting to lose the coach.
4: <laughs> a lot of them have already started to lose the coach from what I've seen in my Twitter replies. It's, it's, it's brutal because I think Carm is a good basketball coach. This is a Siena team that did pretty much like at the end of the day pretty much as good as we expected them to be. It's just they were they were overperforming so well. They were pre- performing so well that when it all came crashing down, we didn't think of it as regressing into the mean. We thought of it as a collapse. It was a collapse, but it was also just regression to the mean. Hmm. Yeah. <sighs>
3: Go ahead. Go ahead, Jane. I, I haven't seen a team limp its way to the finish line like this in 12 years covering the lead. 2013 Iona comes to mind a little bit but that was mid-February and, and that team got itself right the last couple of weeks of the regular season so I can't even say that but as far as Siena goes I think getting Niagara in the 4-5 actually helps them problem is Look well, what's waiting on the other side in the semifinal and I do not have the confidence in the Saints in a Friday night semifinal in Iona. I mean here's what I, here's what I that... look
4: at. Here, here's what I look at for Siena. In their games against <clears throat> Quinnipiac, Fairfield, Ryder, Niagara, like that like the first like the first stretch where they won those games, they were making winning plays. Michael Ealy stealing the ball from from Caleb Fields. Um JV McCollum hitting that deep three-pointer against Quinnipiac with a minute left. Um, Jackson Stormo taking over the game against Ryder. Those were winning basketball plays. They have started to make losing basketball plays in times like that where they are not able to get a rebound against St. Peter's, where JV McCollum loses the basketball and has to scramble for a final shot against Manhattan. They are making losing basketball plays when they would when they were making winning basketball plays early in the season. Now, Niagara, on the other hand, they're, they're not making many winning plays either. Um, their loss to St. Peter's was brutal. I think they led by what, 12 in that game? No, they led by nine. But regardless, Niagara has not looked the part of a bye-team since their comeback against um Quinnipiac. But still, I look at this Niagara team and I say, Noah Thomason can take over a game. They play it slow. Siena's not making shots right now. Niagara probably could I'd probably give Niagara a slight edge here, honestly. But I think it could really go either way. It's a coin flip in terms of like it's bad either way. Neither of these teams look good.
3: It's it's going to be one of those typical Mac after dark games that <laughs> ends after midnight with a with a sixty one fifty five final or something like that, where the whistle blows ten times in the last minute and a half. Whistle,
4: whistle. You'll probably get a good good number of fouls in that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, and like you said, Jane, that I see nine thirty tip. I feel like that that's got. Ugly overtime written over it too, because nobody can make a play at the end of the game. Like you, like you were saying, Sam too. Uh, and it's just going to just go on because it's just going to be that ugly. So, yeah, but somebody's going to win. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, Yeah. Mount and Canisius, that's got to be probably the highest quality eight, nine game. I remember looking forward to seeing in a number of years. What do you guys think of that one?
3: It's the two hottest teams in the league, not named Iona. One's won five out of six. One's won four out of five and has its full roster back. Now, a lot of people are probably going to expect this to be a close game. I'm not one of them. I think Mount wins by about nine or ten, maybe even more than that, because Reggie Witherspoon, let's face it, is not a very good conference tournament coach. We've seen that over the last several years. Dan Engelstadt, on the other hand, is. He won the NEC in 2021. He has players on his roster that have experience from that run. I think Mount furthers its momentum and then plays Iona hard into the second half on Wednesday.
4: Yeah, I mean, you do have a point. Canisius hasn't won um, a conference tournament game in like four or five years. But I-, I think I think it can definitely be a close game. I think if it were to be a, um, a comfortable win for either side, it would probably be for Canisius, because Canisius has had those games where they just come out and they are killing it. Their last three wins are all double-digit wins. They've won fast games. They've won slow games. They've also lost fast games and lost slow games. I think Canisius is really interesting, because, look, they don't get to the line, but they are making shots these days, and I don't like their defense. I really don't. But I I don't think I like either team's defense here. I think we could be in the 70s in this game. Even if they play slow, we can be in the 70s. And we I I can see it. I doubt I doubt we get to the 80s. But 70s for sure. I like that that's the first game for the
1: tournament. You know we're going to get off to a good start there. You can feel Great it. Great opener, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be really good. Um, okay, can you know in terms of matchups, which team is more dangerous for Iona in the quarters?
3: Mount obviously, because this is a team that played them hard at their place at the end of February, whereas Iona had it easy both times with Canisius. Mount has weapons, and and it's not just Benjamin, DeAndre Thomas from score a few. Has been a Very good complimentary guard. Malik Jefferson is healthy. Again, Cordelia has really come on as of late. Tinsley is strong too. So you have the three big men that can hang with Nelly, with Shima. And even if Rick wants to play, Michael Jefferson can do that too. So Mount is clearly the tougher matchup. And it wouldn't shock me if that was a game midway through the second half.
4: The, The thing for me is Mount's big men matchup better than Canisius, the big man. Kanishius does not have a powerful big their, their big man is Yako Fritz who plays And Yako's a perimeter guy. Yeah. And I and I like Yako a lot, but he, he's a high post perimeter. Um however Jordan Henderson, Taj Toveski, um Dinkins, like these are better matchups, I believe, against Iona's guards than Mount's guards of Benjamin and Lafew, because Benjamin and Lafew are both very slim, very small guys, and Iona's guards are strong, fi- are strong, physical and long. Okay. But the Mount has the big men, um, with Cordelia and Jefferson that can match up, at least somewhat. With and off
3: the bench
4: too. Yeah. I th- I would say Kanishas is probably the team that would that could beat them, but the Mount is the team that I'd be more confident in giving a good fight.
1: Yeah, like you're saying canisius has a higher end to than the Mount does.
4: Okay. In this particular game, yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um well, here's the way I look at it, because again, we've like we said, these are the two hottest teams not named Iona. So one of them is going to survive and they're still going to be hot going into the Iona game. And I feel like that's going to be one again, that quarterfinal test that Iona failed last year. Um, Iona's a little different team. They defend better, I think, than last year's team was at the end of the year. Um so that's that side of that part of it is interesting to me. But then if Iona survives that, I'm very confident. That they'll be able to beat Siena or Niagara in the semis. not just because of Iona's history of beating Siena in general. I just think like, you know, I I think whoever wins that is gonna limp into the semis. yeah, Um, I mean
4: that that's that's a failing upwards type game. Neither of those teams have looked good for a while now. And Iona could Iona I could see comfortably beating either.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I I think Iona wins going away, but not without a fight.
1: Yeah, so, so you guys are kind of aligned that the, the quarterfinal game might actually be tougher than the semifinal game.
4: The way Siena's looked lately, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if I would directly say that. I think Iona probably, I, I'd give them like an 80% chance in both of the games. Like, So that's probably like a 0.8 times 0.8, um, 64% chance to make the finals.
1: I think I, that I, help what helps Iona here too is that of course Mount and Canisius will have played the day before and Iona will not. And then even going into that semifinal, Iona will have had a day off before the semis, whereas Siena and Niagara play Thursday night. Yep. Um so that's the that, the 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 slightest of advantages for the one seed, I guess, in this tournament that uh and I want to get your take on all that too once we get through this. Um all right. So if Iona doesn't win this whole thing, why? Why will they not win?
3: Either they're beaten by a team who shoots better than them or there's going to be a game where it doesn't play defense the way it normally would. And there are teams on Iona's side of the bracket and on the other one that could potentially pose that problem. Starting with Mount St. Mary's, I still give Sienna a chance even though I think with the way the Saints have looked, it's going to be a little harder for Siena. And on the other side of the bracket, you have Ryder, Quinnipiac, and Manhattan, all of whom can really muck it up and and get ugly
4: with Iona. Even Fairfield, too. Uh, I would say Ryder is the team with the best chance to beat Iona. They're well-coached. They're well-rounded. They've played Iona close twice. They beat Iona at Iona. Sure, that was basically without Clayton, but they held Clayton – be- pretty quiet yesterday, um, for most of the game. Ajiri is a good mat. A- a- is a good matchup for Nelly. I think Ryder out shooting, um, just Rider out themselves would be a way. <laughs> would be a way that they could beat Iona for Quinnipiac. I don't think they could close out a close game against Iona, but if. But if Quinnipiac gets hot, I mean, we've seen them blow out teams. Right.
1: Okay. All right. So- um,
4: in terms of if Cien, I mean, we saw C Cien- We saw the blueprint for Ciena to do it. It took some big time shooting, and I think they they have uh, cre- uh shot creation with McCollum that they didn't have in that time that they won, but they also Playtex struggled, Stormos struggled they they've just they're limping right now so hard. Niagara, I think they're well coached. I, I like Greg Paulus, but I I don't think that they have the big men matchup outside of Obi Oha, who's big, but he's a freshman, he's inexperienced. He's he doesn't play much. He gets into foul trouble. He's not quite ready for this type of matchup. Um David Mitchell's good. He's not big. He's not big and strong enough um, for an LA matchup uh, for forty minutes. I think in terms Rickle Rick will pull him out after about five or six. <laughs> <laughs> my my point being, I think Iona has the edge. I would would I take Iona or the field? Interesting question. But like, Iona definitely has the edge here. Against every team, they have they have better guards than every team, and they have better bigs than every team, <laughs> well, and I mean, a better coach than and every a better, team. and
1: a better coach. Right,
4: <laughs> that's fair. The, the only
1: is, against, the only thing against them is history, though the the way ones have fallen. But how many ones have won the league by four games?
4: And also, like in a one game sample size, what's more important? Um, in a one game sample size, like. You're looking at in terms of history a history of one game samples. It happens. Yeah. Like one seeds win more often than they don't, especially in the first round. But like, yeah, one seeds don't always win the tournament because there's usually teams that are kind of close.
3: I think only once since two thousand ten, a one seed has won the tournament. I own it in twenty nineteen.
4: Yeah. Yeah, well, but the Mac has been closer at the top. Yeah, than mm-hmm. it than it is this year.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not every year that somebody wins the league by four games. So it's
4: yeah, and I, and I and honestly, whether that's more, um, how good Iona is or how bad the rest of the league played down the stretch, it's a combination of both. But. I think everything is coming up Iona's way right now. All right. I, I would agree with that.
1: Well, we'll find out if you guys are right about that. Well, uh, Tuesday afternoon, there's going to be the announcement about the future of the Mac tournament. It looks like, I mean, I don't think they'd be making that announcement saying they're going to Albany while they're in Atlantic city. So uh, I think we're we're all assuming that, Atlantic City is getting this thing, but do we do we do we see a wrinkle? Do we see a change in the schedule? Do we see something that we haven't thought about, or is it just going to be the same exact format? Do you guys agree it should stay in Atlantic City? Do you disagree? Should we move on campus? I know it's been a hot topic on the on the on the message boards and on Twitter for a couple of weeks now. You guys, what do you think?
3: Knowing the Mac, they'll probably keep it the way it is because the Mac hasn't thought forwardly in in a few years, but. I think, honestly, and I've, I've said this before and I've gone on record with it, it's better off going back to Albany because it's the only place that makes money. The tournament draws there better than Atlantic City or Springfield or any true neutral site. Presidents and the ADs aren't going to concede the campus sites because it's essentially admitting that you're a low major. I don't think the presidents have that mentality or that mindset. So I think Liberty is
4: Liberty is 45th in Ken Palm and they are playing a road conference championship game right now. The Mac is not above this. There is no reason why this tournament should not be held at campus sites. It is, it's frankly obscene that any consistent one bid league thinks that it's in the good nature of basketball to play their game at a neutral site that doesn't draw.
1: Hmm. I've gone back and forth. I've argued with myself on it quite especially, a bit.
4: Especially, especially by the way, one that's as local and drivable as the MAC. Like, if you're the whack and you have teams going from UT Rio Grande Valley to Seattle, like, yeah, okay, you do a neutral site. But come on, like the Mac, you can drive the whole league in like in like ten hours, and most of the league in like four hours.
3: My caveat is this: what if there's one year where Tanisha or Niagara is the class of the league? Do you really want to play a conference title game in Buffalo?
4: If they earn it, yes. I I by the way, I put Buffalo on the list of like. Neutral sites that would be potential. I have a list of like 10.
3: They've done it before in the mid-2000s. I haven't gone back I to think,
4: I think the best neutral site is somewhere in the NYC Metro. The second best neutral site is Albany. The third best neutral site is the Palestra.
3: I don't need an excuse to go to Philly. I, I endorse that. <laughs> the <one> Palestra
4: <laughs> does not current. The Palestra does not currently have a permanent conference tournament tenant. It hasn't in the, about thirty years. It is the cathedral of college basketball, and there's local interest in Philadelphia just for college basketball, regardless of the teams. It would be a good. It, they wouldn't fill it. wouldn't fill it and it's what a 90 minute acela from new york philly yeah yeah Yeah, that that, that's such an easy decision for me like to put it at least in the conversation if atlantic city's in the conversation and if you don't drive in order to in order to get from new york to atlantic city you have to go through philly why isn't philly in the conversation
1: Fair enough. Well, again, this is going. I'm very curious to see. Uh, and and the other thing I I thought I read somewhere was that you know, of course, the reason why the Max uh, schedule is where it is in terms of the days that it falls on is because of the Jersey Wrestling Tournament, uh, State High School Wrestling Tournament. And I heard, I thought I read somewhere that it moved. So I'm wondering if the days of this tournament will move to a more traditional Monday Night Championship, which I think everybody liked better anyway.
3: I don't think it moved yet. That's news to me.
1: Well. I'll, I'll double check. I thought I read that, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, so we'll see about that. Last thing before I let you guys go, coach of the year, player of the year.
3: Player of the year should be Walter Clayton Jr. And I've come around on that over the last week and a half to see how he's stolen the top billing from his two teammates, Danny Jenkins and Nelly Jr. Joseph. You know, you can make a case for either of the three for Walt, for DJ, for Nelly. And what sets Clayton apart is how he's played defensively as well. He's impacted the game without the basketball in his hands, whereas DJ is more of a facilitator and and Nelly is your prototypical double-double big man. But Clayton just has that factor about him. And we kind of knew this was coming last season when we saw how he took off as a freshman, where he, he could be the next star in this lead. He's almost... He's not at that level yet, and he's a different type of guard. He's almost at the Jalen Pickett level, where he's just impossible to defend because you uh, know what you're gonna you know what you're gonna get from him on both
4: sides of the ball. For me, Player of the Year is Nelly. I think he's the best defender of the three: um, Danis, Walt, and Nelly. I think Nelly's the best defender of the group. I think Nelly's the most consistent, just like performer of the group. I think there's just days where um where for Nelly a bad day, he'll get 15 and 10, like it feels like. Obviously, he didn't play that didn't play like that against Ryder, but overall I think Nelly is the most consistent and the best defender, which is what sets him apart.
3: Hey, how about coach of the year? Right. It should be it should be Rashad Stos. Just in light of what that program got itself into when it, when Massiello was discarded and how Stores has kept the roster together, fought for a bye all the way into the last week of the year. I know there's going to be some people advocating for Rick because he's managed the injuries better than anybody else and won the lead by four games. But if we're giving Rick Pitino the award because he's Rick Pitino, then we shouldn't have the award. It should go to the coach who does the most with what's perceived to be the least. And let's not forget that when Massiello got let go, a lot of people thought the end of the world was coming in Riverdale. And Rashad Stores has done an excellent job of keeping the team together. If you would have asked me two or three weeks ago, I could have given you three different answers between Karm and Baggett and Stores, but Stores is the clear choice. And Anybody who says otherwise is doing it themselves.
4: I look at Ray and I see a team that lost three starters two weeks before the season and a fourth starter a week into the season. And I see a team that was essentially reduced to its bench. It was Ant Nelson, Josh Roberts, and the bench for Manhattan that was the group of guys that fought for a buy the whole way, finished sixth, ten and ten, raised the coach of the year. The the in game adjustments to go to the zone, um, middle of the season, and the and then the adjustments he would make in ter- in certain games. Manhattan was never out of a game. Credit to Ray for his, for the job he did this year. Hopefully he gives us um, a little bit more time in press conferences next year.
1: (laughs) See the ah, now we're, now we're getting to the nitty gritty. That's what this is about.
4: Well, that's how he's always been, even as a player.
1: All right, gentlemen. Well, I think we uh, are just about out of time on my zoom call here too. Uh, But um, thank you both for taking time. Uh, I know you guys are following many different league races, so I appreciate you guys giving us some time here to talk Mac stuff with us. Sam, I know you said you were going to be down in uh, Atlantic City come Saturday. Jaden, are you up in the air still for Saturday?
3: Yeah, I, st- I still have to. Saturday, I should be there. Barring an unexpected run to the biddies title game for the Hall. So I'm, I'm just uh-huh. trying to figure out. No, I don't <laughs> think it is. I don't think it is either. I don't think it is either. I'm just trying to figure out what's happening for me w- with Wednesday, whether I'm going to be in Atlantic City or at the Garden.
1: All right, guys well i hope i do see you down there and uh because that means I, that means i know I'm still playing although i think i'm probably staying through saturday anyway so um anyway so thank you guys again for coming on and uh appreciate it as always and we'll enjoy march madness
3: absolutely thanks guy thank you so much
1: thanks guys it's mac time thanks again to Jaden and sam for stopping by as for me, it's time to hit the road to Atlantic City, Caesars, Gelato, Mac basketball. Hope to see you all down there as we hope to bring not one, but two championships back to New Rochelle. Take the journey with me on this podcast and go, Gales.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com with publisher Guy Velotico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Faladico, ionahoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona University Athletics or the university itself. Thank you for supporting ionahoops.com.